Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. This is the number one daily radio show for realtors looking for a no BS, authentic, real-time coaching experience. What's really working in today's market, how to generate more leads, make more money, and have more time for what you love in your life. And now your hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. I've heard it one time, I've heard it billions and billions of times, and that's there's no homes for sale. And the fact is, there might not be any homes for sale if all you're doing is looking in the MLS. That's exactly right. And coaching clients, you know who you are. Many of my elite coaching clients, those are my one-on-one clients, as well as uh, agents in premier coaching, have been hearing similar things from the coaches, which goes like this. How many buyers, listeners would be in contract right now if it was just up to you to find them something. You're the only you're the one in the way, okay? So here's here's the accountability. And all of you are working with buyers who are both motivated and qualified. Some of them are even cash. And the only reason they're not in contract is because you haven't found them anything. So what we're going to be doing this week on the podcast, because this is such an important topic, is we're going to dedicate the entire week to it, is helping you guys find the homes that are actually for sale. Now, I want to start out by telling you a couple things just to clear the air. Um, yes, mortgage applications are down. That does not mean people wanting to buy homes are down. Mortgage applications to refinance are down. Read, make sure you read past the you know attention-grabbing headline. The reality of it is that there'll still be somewhere between five and six million homes sold this year, which means there'll be somewhere in between double that number of real estate transactions considering there's two sides to every sale, correct? The buyer and the seller side. Mm -hmm. So the reality of it is there'll be plenty of people getting paid and the agents that are getting paid this year are the ones that know to not A, buy buyer leads, but B, just turn on the MLS and hope and pray that they're going to find something that's a good match for their buyers. Now remember that a lot of your buyers as you're you're, uh, becoming more transactional, many of you have been transactional or very successful, but you're discovering a lot of buyers who are actually ha- uh, have houses to sell, and if you were to find them something, they would indeed put their listing for sale. You can see how one listing, for example, can equal easily two, three, sometimes you know five or six transactions. But it all is going to be on your shoulders, and you're going to have to learn how to find off-market listings. Not just off-market listings, but homes that are actively for sale. They're just not in the MLS. So that's what we're going to be focusing on this week. Julie and I are going to give you 20 places that you can look for homes for sale. It's absolutely positively up to you to take notes and take this seriously. Um, we want to thank all of you who have been giving us five-star reviews, reviews on Spotify and on iTunes. We continue to be the top of the charts on iTunes. This is continuing to be the number one listened to daily podcast for real estate professionals in at least the United States. We're downloaded in over 60 different countries, and we want to sincerely thank all of you for that. Now, this podcast is designed to educate you, motivate you, and get you into action. And one of the things you could be doing to help us, and we'd sincerely appreciate it, is if you'd give us a five-star review on iTunes, a five-star review on Spotify, and also please do give us some, uh, some great feedback on both of those platforms. When you do that, it tells their algorithm, so I'm told, that this is a podcast worth sharing with other real estate professionals, and then they do the sharing for us. So we sincerely appreciate your help doing that. Give us a five-star review on iTunes and a five-star review on Spotify. And again, we will be sincerely grateful for that. And we will continue to give you guys what we hope you'll agree is leading-edge, market-appropriate coaching and training for real estate professionals. And this topic is going to be something that will change a lot of lives if you're willing to take action on the information. So, Julie, when we're coming up with this list – uh, we were kind of 
deciding like we all we have to break through the ice with a lot of these guys because right. they have a lot of mental fatigue and malaise, frankly, mm-hmm. from not realizing that the uh, essentially the world has changed. They're feeling it, but they don't realize that it's not going to change back. A lot of people think, well, this change is only temporary. The change is interest rates. The change is inflation. The change is the shifting market expectations. All these things are happening simultaneously. And it's not happened like this before. Julie and I have been in the coaching and training industry for you know 20 plus years, real estate industry for basically 30 years. And the reality of it is, is that we have gone through many recessions, many shifts in the market, but nothing like what we're starting to experience now. Inflation is going to be the ultimate equalizer. And the people that have the skill set in an, an inflationary market, uh, frankly, the agents who know how to help buyers through and sellers through the process, despite what they might perceive to be negative news, they're the ones that are going to they're going to win every single time. And one of the first things you're going to have to do to differentiate yourself in the marketplace, it's not branding, it's not marketing, it's not all these other fluffery things that were uh, trendy during this last market that we're leaving. The thing you're going to have to do in this market to really differentiate yourself is be the one with the house. Be the one with the listing. You have to be the the agent who knows how to find homes for sale. Ultimately, isn't that really what the bottom line is? That's right. So your question on your mind is, where is all the inventory? We hear it all day, every day. You can say it all day, every day. Your buyers say it to you. You need two things. This is where you might want to start taking notes, listeners. You need to get your buyers in contract, and you need to find more listings for yourself, for your own listing inventory. We all know that having the inventory, just as Tim just said, how are you going to win? Have the house for sale. You guys know this from being out there in the market. So in this podcast series, we're going to show you how to accomplish both those things, getting your buyers in contract and getting more listings for you. And sometimes those two things will coincide. But before we get to the secret sources and strategies, there are two thoughts for you to consider. Number one, how well do you know what your buyers are actually looking for? Are they or you being too specific or overly obsessed with certain areas, amenities, or schools, it may be time to discuss having some flexibility. Knowing your buyer clients must have versus would be nice to have criteria is going to make all the difference. Point number two, stop relying only on your MLS. This is one method, but it is no longer the method. You have to be very clear on that. You know, you and I look in the MLS, we look on Realtor.com all the time, but that is only, you know, a 10-minute, you know, foraging for something that might have popped up. Well, we it's look not the see, only source. We look to see what our, our rentals are. You and I have dozens yeah. of rentals all over the country. We look to see what our rentals are worth just for fun mostly and because uh, we're not going to sell any of them. And it is shocking how frequently you'll look into one of our, you know, popular zip codes like 43214 or something. And there are like three homes for sale and everything else is pending and closed. Right. And while we're looking, one of those sold. Exactly. And if you're a buyer, that's the experience you're having. Nothing's for sale. But if you're an inexperienced, low-skilled agent, you're also going to be very frustrated very quickly. And I suspect, and we suspect, that's what's happening in the marketplace. But I'm going to share with you guys a, a little mindset shift. In every other part of the world, okay, there is no real MLS. There's not, it's not organized like it is in the United States and really in Canada. In every other part of the world, when you want to, if you're looking for homes for sale, you go to each individual uh, listing broker – uh, and you find out what they've got for sale. There is no buyer agency in basically every other part of the world. There's forms of it, but at the end of the day, there's no buyer agent commission. There's no automatic commission set aside for the buyer agent that's paid for by the seller everywhere else in the world except the United States and really Canada. I hope you guys are understanding that. So when we tell you with 100% confidence that you can be incredibly successful because of this market, 
You can because the rest of the world has very, very experienced and successful agents, and they don't have the entitlement of buyer agent commission, and they don't really have a very well-organized centralized MLS like we have or maybe past tense here. So when you're opening your mind to the possibilities, realize that if you really want to see how expansive this industry could possibly be for you, creating all kinds of different opportunities, look to other parts of the world. Look to see what's happening in France. Look to see what's happening in Israel. Look to see what's happening in Germany and Australia. Those markets are incredibly hot with lots of listing agents making lots of money. And that's what we want you to focus on too. Being a listing agent in a market like this is really the best use of your time and energy. And guess what? We've made it very simple for you. If you guys would like to have a free coaching call with one of our new member coaches to discuss you becoming a listing agent and learning how to really dominate in this market because of this market, just text the word JOIN, J-O-I-N, to 47372. Text the word JOIN, J-O-I-N, to 47372. You choose the day. You choose the time of your free coaching call. No strings attached. You'll speak directly with one of our new member coaches. So text the word JOIN, J-O-I-N, to 47372. Remember, message and data rates may apply. That's right. So we're going to give you 20-plus strategies to do two things. One is find off-market homes for you to list. And by off-market, there's many flavors of that, but primarily stuff that you're just not going to find in the MLS. And also to find off-market homes for you to sell to your buyers so they no longer lose out to the competition. If you want to stop competing and losing most times, you must find homes that they're unlikely to actually compete on. In our buyer, uh, in our coaching program, our premier coaching program, there's a whole section working with buyers. I'm going to give you guys a quick overview of one of the, you, you're supposed to be having a very formalized presentation and formalized getting to know your uh, buyer process to determine their level of motivation. Now, just be clear about this. There is no such thing as a buyer that has to buy. All buyers can change their mind, and they do frequently. So there are examples of sellers that have to sell. That's the reason if you have a choice between focusing your best energies on working with sellers that will definitely list with you or working with buyers that may change their mind if the interest rates go up a tick, then you obviously want to be focusing on sellers. That said, buyers in this marketplace are going to be the ones feeling the most stressed. Now, again, some of your sellers are also going to be buyers. So here's one of the strategies we teach you in the coaching program. Just give you an overview. Uh, just I'm going to give you the concept, all right? So take a map and put it in front of that buyer. And then ask the buyer uh, a whole bunch of critical questions. And this is after they've been they're proven their worthiness to purchase, after they've set themselves up uh, to have realistic expectations. You know, they're really good buyers. They're willing to do some work. They're willing to compromise on some of their, you know, they don't really have any must-haves. They're all want-to-haves. And, you know, they're flexible is really the bottom line. So, great. These are good uh, viable buyers. So I want you to ask them, where do you work? Or where does your husband work? Or where does your wife work? Where are the places that you have to go to physically every single day? And then I want you to, on the map, put a little pin or put a little star, you know, a little mark on that particular spot. It, do, you, do they have children? Do they drive their kids to school? Is that What are the regular things that they have to drive to every single day, every single week? And you can expand it. All right, so on you know, Sunday, maybe they go to church. Right? Where's the church in relation to where they live now? And then where's the doctor? Where's the bank? Where's the everything? Ask, see, what you'll discover, and this is kind of fascinating too, is that most people live within a very small radius. Like, depending on the town, most people can live within a five mile radius. They don't go outside of five miles ever. They might live in New York City, but the truth is, is they never move within or outside of the boundaries, self imposed boundaries of five miles. In the rural areas, it might be 25 miles. You know, it takes longer to go anywhere. But it is very fascinating that no matter where you live, everyone ends up working and living within the same circumference. Well, that's important to know. 
because what you can then do is you can show them. So the first thing is to put those little pins on a map so they can see exactly where all the important things are in their lives. And, you know, maybe the conversation is slightly different if they're if you're dealing with married people, ask, you know, compare notes. Right. And then what you say is, well, well, realistically, how far are you willing to drive every single day? Remember, you start with the day things, so you push to the week things. So how far are you willing to be sitting in a car every day to drive Johnny and Susie to school or drive to work or whatever it is? And again, depending on where they live in the country, the expectation is going to be different. And that then is going to start allowing you to figure out how big of a circumference they're willing to look for houses. So if they have a concentration of, for example, you know where they go to school, all the most important things are within like a 10-mile radius. Well, that's a pretty big radius. So you put a little pin where they live now. Their whole life is it is basically within this 10-mile radius. To buy a house, you can push – you can stay inside the circle or you can go outside the circle ever so slightly to still hit all their stars, still hit all their hot buttons of where they want to go on a weekly and a, you know, a, a daily basis, right? You guys getting the concept here? And what they're going to see then is within inside the circumference, they're going to see that there's uh, – okay, now what do you ask? What are you looking for? What's the home description? It's a four-bedroom. It's a two-and-a-half bath. It's this price range. It's these amenities. It's this, that, the other thing. All right, great. So in that circumference of which of where they're willing to live, where they're, where they're willing to buy a house, there are not going to be that many neighborhoods for sale that meets those criteria. All right, now you circle over where those – you then put circles where the neighborhoods are, the communities are. Then you ask them, uh, okay, so maybe they are even more specific. They prefer this neighborhood over this neighborhood over this neighborhood. Okay, that's fine. We can prioritize these inside those circles, but one, two, and three. Now what you do is you go to the MLS, you know, or wherever, and you show them the homes that are actually for sale in those particular areas. And what they're going to see quickly, and you're going to help them emotionally get – this is a way – to gut, uh, go through the whole process of buyers not knowing where they, oh, we can live in the rural area, we can live here, we can live there. No, real, realistically, you want to live within a 15-minute or 20-minute drive time of your home wherever you live, wherever you're going on a regular basis. You're going to cut through your wasted Saturdays driving to the countryside on the other side of Mars. You guys getting what I'm saying here? So once you have once you've drawn all this out, once they can see it, once they see where the neighborhoods are, then you show them the available homes for sale. They're going to find, given what they're looking for, at now you've very high level pre-qualified them on their wants and their needs. You're going to discover that there's hardly anything to look at, and like that won't be a surprise to anybody. But even when it pivots back to a strong buyer's market, and you still follow this approach to working with buyers, you'll discover also that there's never any there's not that many homes for sale. Because there's not that many homes for sale that are going to check all the boxes. Okay, are you willing to put in a new kitchen? No. Are you willing to uh, you know, put in a new deck? Yes. Do you get it? So then they start whittling down on what they're actually looking for, and then you end up with a handful of homes for sale. Now, again, the reason we're, I've really given you guys a, a high-level overview of how to really pre-qualify buyers are these are the types of skills you have to know in a marketplace like this. Because if you have a buyer that's not willing to commit to answering any of those questions, not willing to commit to getting pre-qualified, you have to decide that you're not going to work with them. You have to start becoming ultra picky who you're going to spend your time with, and you're going to have to decide then to accept the realization that you need to be focusing all your best energies on becoming a listing agent. Does this make sense, Well, it totally makes sense, and you're going to sort out the buyers who are willing to be a bit more flexible because they have to be to find what their criteria are. Versus being overly specific and never really being, you know, we used to call that fishing in a lake with no fish. You're going to start, right? There's no inventory for them. So that brings us to point number one and two, which actually are about the MLS. 
Point number one, get more creative with your MLS searches. If your buyers keep losing out multiple bids, search your MLS using the same criteria, but homes that have been on the market for more than 60 days or more than 90 days or more than 120 days, days on the market. Now, agents will argue with you, well, why would they want to buy something that didn't sell right away? Well, there's lots of different reasons why that can happen. Overly strict showing restrictions that can only be shown on Friday in the afternoon. It could be that it had a terrible description. Maybe, I mean, many different reasons. You need to at least find it and run it up the flagpole. But the other reason is, Julie, is a lot of times um, agents stop showing properties and buyers stop looking at properties that aren't essentially new listings. That's right. It's like driving by a billboard on the freeway every day. You stop noticing it. You know, it's been, you've been able to be a sloppy pricer in a market like this because things have been selling themselves. Frankly, you could have bad condition, bad location, and bad pricing and still get the property sold. That's not normal. That's abnormal. But for now, you don't, you fortunately don't have to have a high level skill set in those areas. Uh, But what you're going to soon realize is that you're going to start having to develop a high level skill set on that if you're going to get homes sold. That's right. I mean, there's a house in our neighborhood that is significantly overpriced. You and I know the seller will take less, and it's sitting around longer because it is aspirationally priced. That happens. But when you go and search for the older listings, it's not the the seller may have themselves been maybe a little aspirational priced, aspirationally priced in the beginning, but now that it's been for sale for 90 days, they're going to be more reasonable what they're willing to accept. Exactly. Or maybe the house had a condition issue when they put it for sale. They fixed the condition issue, and now it's sitting with that brand-new roof, and yet nobody's seeing it because it's 60 or 90 days old, and agents are assuming or they're not even showing it, and neither are the buyers looking for it. These are the types of things happen when – it's like the spoiled milk theory, and again, this is a – Another script I won't bore you guys with now, but it's a way of helping an, a seller understand the importance of actually pricing the house correctly out of the gates. Remember the whole – I do. Uh, <laughs> that's a script from 30 years <laughs> we'll ago. We'll have to work them into I, the idea of price reduction. I know, so but, I. Yeah, I know you guys aren't ready for that, so we're going to hold that back for another day. <laughs> don't shock them. Okay. All right. So the, the point is if you're working with buyers and you keep banging your head into the wall losing, if you keep doing what you're doing, you're going to keep getting what you're getting, and eventually the buyers are going to go away and use somebody else or give up. So – Think out of the box in your MLS searches. Maybe they would consider a duplex in the same area, especially if it provides income for them. Have you had those conversations? You've got to search not just your standard issue active listing search to find what they want. Go ahead. But you that's a really good point, Julie. You just said something. I hope listeners picked it up. The buyers will fire you if you do not sell them a house. Yes. They will fire you if you do not sell them a house quickly. It is your responsibility to sell them a house. It is your responsibility to help them to stay focused. It's your responsibility to help them move past, like shorten their learning curve as fast as possible. They want to buy a house. Your job is to sell them a house. You need to ask those tough uh, prequalification questions that come from using our buyer uh, process. We have a seven-step listing process for you know attracting sellers to you and getting them listed and sold. We have a similar process when it comes to working with buyers. You have to have a professional approach with both buyers and sellers in this marketplace, or you will waste months, if not years, of your time. And unfortunately, what will happen is you'll convince yourself that you're the problem, like somehow you're not good enough. Well, you are good enough. You just need to have the skills to back, it up, back up your ambition. That's right. And point number two, and I totally agree with you on mapping it out and, and that being the basis to understand buyers – But sometimes expanding the search geographically can help you find what they're looking for. For example, if they say they want these three zip codes in Austin, well, identify why those zip codes. Is that because the school's there or is it because they just like a park there, right? 
find other areas that have more inventory but are similar to those zip codes. So same for school districts, amenities. Maybe they just like the neighborhood park in the neighborhood, but there's a better one 10 miles away. Well, so you or uh, when you found our house for us in Austin, Texas, uh-huh. when we lived in actually it was in Georgetown, which is 30 miles north of Austin. Yep. You are the agent we are working with because we were working with one of our coaching clients had it in their head what we would want, right? Yes. And they were wrong. And, yeah. they, and they weren't listening to us. And they were assuming we'd want you know, the certain school system and certain this and certain the other thing. They didn't bother to ask us whether we were planning on sending Zoe to a private school, which we ended up selling, sending her to mm-hmm. a private Catholic school. They didn't actually assume that we wouldn't mind. I mean, we're right out of our house. We yeah. don't have to drive ever, anywhere every day. So <laughs> right. the moral of the story was is that you found our place in Georgetown because you extended the search outside of the, the, the zip codes that he was looking by like 10 miles. That's right. And you found it. He was looking within 20 miles of Austin. I was looking within 35 miles of Austin. It was still only a half hour drive down the freeway to get any time we wanted to go there. And I liked a lot of things about Georgetown. Now, and yes, I did end up finding the house for us because we simply expanded geographically. I remember sitting in the living room going, well, okay, so let's just expand this a little bit further out and see what we find. And instantly that day, I found, and you and I both knew it was the right house, and we saw it. But here's the funny thing. That market now in Georgetown, when we moved there, that market in Georgetown was sleepy, I would say. Yeah. But now since then, that market's taken off. It's gone through the roof and new construction Mm -hmm. because everybody else is realizing that they have to push outside of what they would have normally felt would be a natural, you know, search area. Exactly. You guys got to do the same thing. You're going to have to do that for your buyers. Your buyers might say, I'm from ex, you know, uh, Worthington, Ohio. I'm only going to live in Worthington, Ohio. Do not show me anything outside of Worthington, Ohio. But then you, you, know, you skip slightly over the boundaries until Clintonville, Ohio, and they find their dream house. You're going to have to work harder for your buyers. You're going to have to, you know, again, we're going to get into some of the places where you're going to find stuff that's not even officially for sale, mm-hmm. or at least in the MLS, outside of the normal, I'd say, agents, uh, you know, ecosystem. We're going to get to those points in a second. But you're going to have to push the boundaries because that is your job. You're going to have to work harder because that is your job or you're not going to be making any money. That's right. And I remember we used to have buyers that would say, I've got to have Worthington or Westerville schools. And especially when they're kind of pushing their limit on the prices. And we would show them that for the taxes, because the schools were awesome there, okay, if they actually lived in Columbus proper where they saved that tax bill, they could send their kid to a private school for about the same money. The other thing regarding schools, and not every district does this, but many of them do, you can live outside the district and pay a small tuition to a private school to get your kid in. You just have to ask the admissions advisors if they do that. So again, thinking creatively, not sticking yourself into these three search criteria and never finding anything. Since we're on this, you know, we're vamping a bit. In a market like this as well, when you go to the MLS and you're looking, since your first couple points were about the MLS, don't rule out land just because they're looking for a house. Yes. Don't do that. you got to show them everything that's possible. And then guess what? You're going to maybe sell them a a parcel. You're going to sell them some land. Then you're going to find a builder. turns out that builder's got five spec homes that he's going to list with you. You guys see how all of this works? So expand your thinking. I know a lot of these – Buyers, some of them are you know sellers that have to buy before they sell all the rest of it. They're going to present with having very specific. I'm only willing to do this. Your job is to introduce them to the concepts that are outside of their normal way of thinking because the rules have changed. Maybe they're on their third or fourth house and they've been moving up continuously, and you know everything's been relatively predictable their entire housing lives. Now all of a sudden, obviously, we have dealing with inflation. We're dealing with I would call it damn near hyperinflation housing prices. We're dealing with all these other types of things. So none of those ways that they were going about approaching the housing market work anymore. 
It's all changing. Everything's becoming different, changing, more expensive, more competition, more the rest of it. You're going to have to help them to understand that uh, why not build? I got a great builder here, three great builders. You can talk to them and you can actually end up buying a brand new house. And yes, it might cost you a little bit more or maybe in some cases a lot more. But if you actually factor in the cost of building a new house with new everything versus buying a resale home where in the next five years you're going to have to replace everything, maybe you really should take a hard look at buying or building new and not uh, having those trailing expenses and all the time associated with it. Oh, and by the way, Mr. Seller, in the future, if you go to put that home for sale, because it's a new design, because it's a new floor plan, because if everything is you know newer, you're going to ha- hypothetically sell it for more than that resale house would have. That's now you know five or ten or twenty years older. Yeah, you just maybe think of. Uh, do you remember Country Time Builders? Yeah, I do. Okay, so here, and that, and that should have been. I, I can figure out how to make that one of these points, but you're doing it now. Well, so for example, there are builders, and I remember we we would drive past their billboards and see the advertising, and they would say, uh, "We'll build on your land." And then we got to know them a little bit better. We ran into one of their spec homes that they had on their land that they owned and then started asking some questions. And as, as it turns out, they're advertising primarily to build their product on land you already own. Right. However, they too owned land and were building houses here and there on two to five acre parcels. And so then the conversation became with the buyers. You did say you wanted a private backyard, right? Well, here's a place that's you know five miles outside of your radius. It's brand new. You get two acres. They already have it. They'll build it for you. Not all builders are the same, obviously, but there are some that have that model. You just have to find out about it because that was never in the MLS. Well, again, we're talking about schools. We're talking about helping these guys realize they can't be so rigid anymore in a market like this. A lot of people are, uh, you know, after COVID, they're realizing that homeschooling is great. Yes, there especially now. All kinds of different little mm-hmm. variants of the lifestyle that people have become familiar with have become somewhat obsolete. So change with the times, folks. That's right. All right. Point number three. Connect with investors like the guys that advertise, we pay cash for homes, or we buy ugly houses, or similar. Those investors don't purchase every home they're presented with. What happens to their turndowns? These might make good matches for your buyers, or even for you to flip and turn into a rental. Find investor groups at meetup.com or start your own. There are lots of private groups on Facebook for investors and flippers. You know, the Kenmores in Washington, they have in their goals in five areas of life, one of their financial goals is to flip six houses this year. Where do they get six houses to flip in a hot seller's market that has an average sale price of between three and four hundred thousand? That is a hot commodity, right? They do it by connecting with these investors and they call and routinely say, you know, what have you turned down that might be interesting for me? Investors turn down things where maybe there's not that big of a margin for them. It's actually it's almost a great flip. It's actually almost well, right? There's not enough margin for them, but what's almost always is the seller turning them down because they didn't like right. the offer, right? That's right. And this was this has always been a great source of mm-hmm. listings. And you have to it's in the wholesaling and all these home flippers and all the rest of it. Julie mentioned that though you don't really see it that much anymore. The the guys that used to have the franchises, I think they're maybe licensing agreements. We buy ugly houses or whatever. But there are thousands of people that are in the wholesaling end of real estate. And what they're doing, it's a lot of get rich quick things, but the wholesaler guys will run ads and they'll look for people that want to obviously sell their homes at a discount to an investor. Well, you have to imagine that probably if they end up generating 100 leads of potentially you know, interested sellers, there's probably only two or three that are going to be even mildly interested. What are they doing with all those other seller leads? 
What would what would happen if you were to call those uh, wholesalers up and say, well, you know, as Julie just said, what are you doing with all the folks that say no to you? Are you doing anything to those leads? I'll already tell you the answer, podcast listeners. They're not. They just toss them aside. You then ask for those referrals, and if the folks obviously have a, if that wholesaler has a real estate license, then that's another great source. Of, you, know, you can obviously pay them a referral fee if you get the listing. You guys get it? Which is going to make them want to give you all of those repetitively so they can get a referral fee on something that they used to be throwing in the trash can. Oh, and by the way, chances are they've got some other houses maybe that they themselves are flipping, or they can connect you to the people that they're selling those, like a wholesaler. You know, it's just a middleman between the homeowner and the investor who is going to flip the house. So maybe they'll connect you with the investors and you can start picking up listings that way. Again, these are all sources of business that do require more than just turning on the computer and looking in the MLS. That's really the bottom line. Exactly. Shall we continue or do you want to wrap? Well, no, we can look. Here's the, I think what hopefully you guys are. Let's go to point number four because point okay. number four is a really good one. It is. This is one of my favorite ones. And it's so easy to do. Okay. Point number four, new build sales reps can be a gold mine, especially in medium and luxury new construction communities. They don't take resale listings and they won't take a home sale contingency. That's a great intersection of facts, right? They don't take the resale themselves and the builder won't accept a home sale contingency. That spells listing lead. Okay, so this means they know who has a home to sell before they can close on the new one. If they're licensed, you can pay them a referral fee. And if they're not, you can give them gift cards or bring them treats. Aim for five relationships like this. Coach Rochelle is the grandmaster of this, by the way, who also teaches this in Facebook Live. Uh, you mean it, she teaches it as part of one of our coaches. It's awesome. And she gets listings herself from that. I think she's got three or four really strong relationships with build reps. So, again, this is kind of uh, out of the box for many agents. They haven't thought of this. They think, well, why, why would I go see a new build rep? They're never going to list with me. Well, sometimes they do, but let's set that aside for a second. What we want to do is be friends with new build reps for a couple of reasons. One is if something comes up, you know, that's actually point number five I'm wandering into, but they can tell you about things that are coming out of contract that might be a match for your buyers. But most importantly, listing leads, they can pop those to you. They're never going to take the listing. Some of them, their contract with the builder actually says you are not allowed to list anything but with us. Hopefully what you're understanding is what Julie and I are uh, describing to you is that you need to start fishing upriver. Yes. Many of you are just used to swimming and fishing in this one particular pond. They gave you fairly consistent sources of, you know, nutrition, right? You put your rod, your hook, your, you know, whole thing, you're doing your fishing, and sure enough, you're going to catch a fish. That's the MLS. That's what the stuff, you know, the passive stuff that many of you have been doing. But what we're telling you now is are all of our most successful coaching clients, they're, sw- they're swimming and they're fishing upriver. Now, sometimes it's way, way upriver. They're going in, and we're going to share with you some of the other more creative things, the notice of defaults, the tax liens. We're going to be telling you about all of that uh, during this uh, next, uh, what would be, four podcasts. You, your job is to pick the ones that you're going to be going after. Uh, do yourself a favor and don't just pick the easiest ones because those are the same ones everyone else is going to be picking. Pick the hardest ones and then make those things. I remember I had a great uh, coaching client. Um, his name was Braden, mm-hmm. and he was in uh, Salt Lake City. Mm-hmm. And he was uh, prospecting over the phone, uh, proactively generating, and he was going after notice of defaults, but specifically older ones. Mm-hmm. And when I was coaching him, this was a while ago, maybe 15 years ago, uh, his market was super, super hot. Mm-hmm. So there was, it is similar now. There wasn't a lot for sale, that normal jib jab, but there were always uh, notice of defaults, especially older ones. Yes. Now, and again, I'm stepping on one of our future points, but I want to get your guys' uh, brain thinking here, expanding. A notice of default is simply when someone's missed a, a house payment. Now, depending on the state, 
they have to the banks have to file a notice of default after the person's missed one, two, or three house payments. But what a lot of the banks do is they don't actually issue notice of defaults when they're supposed to. Like I remember during the housing crash, California, I think the rule was they were supposed to issue a notice of default. It was like 30 days after the missed payment, but the banks were doing it. And again, I won't get into the mechanics of why, but what he knew to do is go after the older notice of defaults because those older notice of defaults, chances are they hadn't just missed one payment, which is typically when you see a notice of default issued. They probably missed five or six or seven, and they probably were well down the foreclosure pipeline. Meaning they're more motivated now. Completely motivated. The very definition of a motivated seller. And in a market like this where real estate's been appreciating so fast, inflating so fast, uh, there are – it's very rare that you're going to come across a seller that doesn't have a bunch of equity. Just because they miss payments, just because they're in default does not uh, mean that there's not equity in the property. But here's what happens is when the bank takes the property back, let's say there's $100,000 uh, equity in the property. The seller can't make the payment. They may be even still living in the house. Maybe they've abandoned the house. But there is cash sitting there in that property that they, if they were to put it for sale, they would sell it. You're saying to yourself, well, why wouldn't they just list it with somebody? Why are they letting the house go back to the bank? Because they don't know that they can. They don't know that that's an alternative for them. They are emotionally distraught. The bank letters are not like a nice letter from your grandma on your birthday. They're threatening. They're scary. The banks love to send them in different colors. It's not some. And, and here's an interesting fact. Like you get a red um, notice on your door and all these other things. The banks know that most people never, once they've missed one payment, and this is a, a statistic that's very fascinating. Once someone's missed one payment, the probability of them getting the mortgage caught up more than temporarily is about zero. Once they miss one payment, they stop opening envelopes from the bank. They stop opening the letters. They stop taking the phone calls. Once they miss one payment, most people have emotionally checked out, even when they have a lot of equity in the property. So he knew that. So what he was doing is he was calling these. And this you can still do this today. Yes. It does not matter where your but market it's is. It's better today because there is equity. Oh, totally. I mean, look, if they bought a house a year ago, chances are somewhere in the country. Uh, Anywhere. It's 20% more than what the house is worth uh, you know, so they're not only going to get their down payment back, they're also going to, oh, Tim, they're going to have to make up their missed uh, house payments. They who, can. Who cares? They still have plenty of equity. You call them up. You're going to have a motivated seller who wants to sell the property. You pay back whatever Mickey Mouse is, you know, from the foreclosure process. Uh, you get the bank paid off. The house closes. You then made a nice commission. You've done somebody a huge favor. Now, why wouldn't they let the house go to foreclosure? Here's why. The bank will most likely figure out ways to make it so that that $100,000 that was equity that that seller would have gotten back had they retailed the house with you is going to be magically uh, eviscerated. Fees. The fees, the attorney fees. Yep. They have through a foreclosure process, again, depending on the servicer, they're going to have to pay all the real estate commissions if it's an auction, all the auction, all the reconditioning, and everything is the most expensive as you can possibly imagine. So then, yes, that seller might get some smidgen amount of money. Maybe how they listed it with you would have been 100000 By the time the bank goes through the whole foreclosure process, you if there's anything left, you'll be shocked. That's the reason that sometimes people don't understand uh, the banks, generally speaking, do not want to foreclose on houses, but we saw this during the housing crash. The banks will uh, foreclose faster on houses with the most equity because they can, they'll can they be in the strongest position financially. Oh, no, Tim, they don't do that. Well, there are lots of studies that showed that they did. And now are, are we seeing any signs of anything like that now? No, we are not. But the point is, is no matter where you are in the market, there are older notice defaults. There are new notice defaults. Don't be afraid of them. You just have to, and those are going to be such grateful sellers. You don't have to have a housing crash to have notice of defaults. No, there are fewer of them, but they do exist. And how many of them do you need anyway? Let's say you get one a month. That was worth going after, wasn't it? 
So those of you who did not live through the housing crash, remember the thing that Tim said at the top of that discussion, just because the seller has missed payments does not equal short sale. Some of you have that term in your head and you're confused about that. Almost everybody has equity right now. These are sellers you should be talking to. And believe me when I tell you, when you get them out of being foreclosed on and they end up walking away with a check and you solve their problem, they're going to be huge for referrals for you. So that was four of our points, four of ways to find listings that are not in the MLS. And we're going to be covering more of these. On I was just scanning, looking at your notes, Julie. But some of these are so awesome, honestly. I mean, you know, some of these take like probate. That's something a lot of people will be intimidated by. But man, what a cash cow that is when you can lock that in. Uh, and some of your points are actually kind of funny too, but they're all valid. You know, these things are such great sources. Yeah. I just, you know, every time you and I are presenting stuff like this, it makes me excited because I remember, first of all, I'm excited because I know that there's tens of thousands of agents that are listening to this podcast. And statistically, there'll be at least thousands that actually take uh, mm-hmm. action on this. And they're going to go out and create inventory. They're going to create transactions. They're going to, you know, be creating money for themselves and their families. And they're going to realize that this is indeed the greatest industry you could possibly ever be in, no matter what direction the market's going. And so for those of you who are listening, those of you who are taking action on this, here's the key for you is move fast. Don't wait to master something. Just learn it while you're on the job. Earn while you learn. It's one of the principles of our coaching program, one of the principles of our best-selling book uh, called Harris Rules. So, Julie, you want to round the bend today? Yes, and just remember, guys, that are most of you are taking notes on these points. This should not be pick and choose. If you're working with a buyer who is only not in contract because you haven't found him anything and you're sitting there wondering why you don't have more listings, you should be doing all of these points all the time. This, if I were your broker, you just got your, your license, and you came to me and said, how do I create business, especially in the market with the types of things going on now, I would hand you this list and I would say, this is your action plan. Do it all the time. Not go check the MLS and put them on a drip system. Or not buy a buyer lead. By the way, if you guys are looking for a broker, if you're, look, if you're interested in EXP Realty, and all of you, let's be honest, are at some phase of looking at EXP Realty, it's without a doubt – it's going to be the most expansive business opportunity of many of your lives. It's the best place to be an agent. It's the best place to move your brokerage to. But the reality of it is, is the multiple income streams uh, that are available to you at eXp Realty are going to be so much more relevant in a market like what we're entering into. Uh, it's irrelevant in all, It's relevant in all markets. But how would you like to be making money from multiple streams of income because of the broker you chose? The old conversation is, what are you paying your broker? The new conversation because of eXp Realty is what is your broker paying you? And of course, Julie and I are associated with eXp Realty. And of course, we'd love the right uh, to uh, be your sponsors of eXp Realty. If you're looking for a sponsor who's going to be proactive in your success at eXp Realty, text me directly at 512-758-0206, 512-758-0206. Yes, that's me. Yes, that's my real cell phone. If you call, I will not answer. But if you text, I will. So just text me. Let me know that you're interested in eXp Realty. And then also do tell me a little bit about yourself and your business, and we'll get the conversation started. This is the next natural step. Whether you're a new agent, whether you're a seasoned grizzled veteran agent, this is the next natural step for all of you and the progress and the success of your real estate career. So do seriously consider eXp Realty. Text me directly, and let's have the conversation, 512-758-0206. In the meantime, guys, thank you for continuing to keep this the number one listen to daily podcast for real estate professionals in at least the United States, and we are listened in over six, listened to in over 60 different countries. Please do remember your homework. Give us a five-star review on iTunes and on Spotify. We'll talk with you on the show tomorrow. 
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.